I am Sam J. Jones, Flash Gordon. Okay. Oh, okay. excuse me. That's okay. It's been a long day. <laughs> the dome always does that to me. Okay. So it's much. good to be seen. It really is. And you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You think me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. From the Project Blue Book Wholesale Card Exchange on Sublevel 6 in Area 51, hello and welcome to TalkCast 318, this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Enjoying my Roy Rogers tattoo, because I can, I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, some of the gang of five, some are here, some are not. Some may slide in as the night continues. In the action TARDIS resurfacing plant, our technical anarchist, this week with extrasonic screwdrivers, it's Kriana. Extra tartar sauce. Sonic screwdriver tartar sauce. It's the special kind. From the stacks of her personal space in the Dank Dungeons Industrial Card Catalog, unfolding a desalinization plant, befriending robots along the East Coast, defriending non-human Facebook stalkers, welcome Zombrarian. I wasn't muted when you introduced me. Not because I remembered, but because I forgot to mute before the theme song. Oh, <laughs> well, how wonderful is that? Um, we we may get joined a little later on by Awake by Java, but I understand he's dealing with the screaming yellow zonkers tonight, and I'm not sure exactly what that means. But if he joins us, he joins us. If he doesn't, have a box for me, my friend. Our guest tonight is an author who is really something special, uh, Jackie LaDuke. Jackie, welcome to the show. Hi. How you doing? Good, how are you? <laughs> uh, well, it's it's Wednesday night here in Area 51, and, and sure, we're here. When Jackie was three years old, she started going to the library and began to learn about the printed word and how cool it was to have a place that was just all books and from that reading became a love for the word, and she wrote her first book at 14. Is that right? Actually, I started my first book at 12, but I did have my first book published at 14. Wow. <laughs> and what was that book, by the way? Uh, well, the first one was Bloody Nightmares, and the second is entitled uh, The Demonic Eyes. And The Demonic Eyes is the one that's out right now. Yes, they're both and this, is, and this is part of a trilogy, and you're working on the third book now. Yes. Let's talk about how you got started writing. I mean, obviously, you know, you've been 
skulking around libraries since a very, very, very young age. What was the, what was the draw for you there? Well, when I was six, um, I kind of read every book in the library and I was like, well, these are boring, so I should start writing myself. And that's <laughs> that's, that's really how it happened? Yeah, that's what I actually said. And um, I started writing, and of course it wasn't that great because I was only like six. Um, and then when I became 12, I started having these ideas for this uh, this series, and that's when I finally sat down to write it. So what kind of books, what was the gamut of, of books that you read uh, during that, that formative age from 6 to 12 where you started getting the idea for this horror trilogy? Well, I used to read a bunch of different books, um, like silly stuff, like, you know, animated animals, go on adventures, and time travel books, and not really anything that was, like, close to my genre. I didn't start reading, like, um, anything close to it until afterwards when I started writing it. And what kind of, what kind of, what authors really got you involved in writing horror books? Well, I'm a huge fan of Stephen King, and uh, I also like Poe and Lovecraft. Well, that, that that's horrible. You know, you could at least find some good writers to like. <laughs> <laughs> what was it about horror fiction that, that kind of grabbed you? Um, there's just something about it that's, like, entertaining to me. Like, it's very fast-paced and, in a way, kind of psychological. I don't know. I just, I just kind of like it. Is it the psych- psychological nature of fright? Did, I mean, did some of these books actually frighten you as you were reading them? Or was it kind of, well, that's cool and that's interesting? Well, it's more of exciting. Like like you said, it's cool. It's interesting. It's, it's like ideas that you think, how can anyone ever think of that? And then as you're reading all this stuff, you came up with the idea for this trilogy. So let's talk about that. I'm sorry? Partially. Um, where did the rest of it come from? I mean, well, clearly it comes from you. True, yes. Yeah. But it, it's partially influenced by the stuff that I read, too. Yeah. So let's talk about the first book for a little bit because that was kind of your sticking your toe into the waters. What was your process in putting this together? Because you were 14 at the time. Well, I kind of started out um, writing in, like, notebooks and uh, jotting stuff down. And it, at first it wasn't, you know, perfect. So I probably, Bloody Nightmares, I probably rewrote, like, three different times before I actually started editing it. So it's just the ongoing process of writing it and writing a second draft and then editing it and just repeating it until it's finished product. What was it like? Because obviously I think your parents knew that you were writing a book at the time. 
Uh, what was it like the first time somebody else read a draft of it for you? What was that, that process like for you? Well, the first person to ever read, like, my first draft was obviously my mother. Um, and she was pretty proud of it because, you know, how many, like, 14-year-olds write a 300-page novel? So. Well, yeah, there is that, absolutely. But uh, what was it like for you watching her reading it? And I was... I was pretty surprised, you know, because um, it took me so long to write it that it was finally done and someone could finally read it and enjoy it. Were you surprised at uh, people's reaction to it the first time you started letting other people look at the draft? Well, I didn't really let anybody look at it till it was published. Um, for copyright reasons. But when it finally came out and was published, I mean, a lot of people were surprised by it because I'm usually a very reserved person, so I didn't really tell many people about it, maybe, like, my friends, but as far as, like, everyone, like, in my school and everything, they didn't really know about it until it was out there. What was that reaction like when they started finding out about this? Um, it was surreal, really. Like, I felt like, you know, I finally put in the hard effort and my dream was coming true and everybody was responding positively to it. That's a great feeling, isn't it? It is. So you finished the first book and then you realized that, uh, there's more to it. There's more There's more to this story that you want to tell. Did you know when you were writing the first book that it was one on three? One, it was going to be one of three? I, I always knew it was going to be a series um, because there just wasn't an ending to it. Like, there was so much more I needed to write. So you've got these notebooks that are filled with notes and timelines and and characters. Now, in the second book, which honestly is the the book that I've read, uh, your main character is, uh, well, one of your main characters in any case, two of them actually, are in high school and dealing with high school issues as well as demonic stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, Did you always intend for it to be set in high school? Well, yes. The reason for that, obviously, is because um, it's like my age now, like I'm in high school. So I wanted to make a character that was relatable to me. And oftentimes as an author, you have to say, can I relate to this character? Because if you don't, then your reader isn't going to. Most of the time, anyway. Oh, no, that's absolutely right. Unless unless there's a part of you there, uh, the reader's going to feel like something's missing, I think. So, there's... Uh, there are so many sub-issues in this book. Did you intend to... <clears throat> Uh, single parenting, uh, 
alcoholism, uh, uh, bullying, all this stuff going on inside uh, inside this story. Did you intend to have all this be a part of it? I did intend for it because uh, a lot of teens today struggle with things like at school or at home, and they don't really talk about it. And uh, my book is the place for them to feel like they have someone to relate to. Have you gotten any feedback from people uh, who've read the book? Uh, people your age who have read the book and go, yeah, I can relate to that. I have actually. Can you talk about that a little bit? Just, you know, the kind of reaction that you get it. Like when you, when you, you've taken this to comic cons uh, and that kind of thing. Well, there have been a number of uh, teenagers who have come to me and they're like, oh, I've struggled with depression or this and that. And they're like, oh, yeah, I can totally relate to your character. And um, your book has helped me in ways. And, you know, that's really the satisfying part of it, that um, it can make them want to make their life better. And what does that what does that do for you? How does that make you feel when when you get that kind of feedback from people? Well, it's great because that's partially what I intended from the story was um, for people to feel a sense of hope. There is in, in the main character, uh, the main char- the male main character, a real sense of hopelessness in the opening of the. Uh, in the opening of the book, and it's it's a hopelessness that extends from his his personal life to his private life uh, to his his school life. Uh, you really painted him in a corner early on. Was was that character based on on somebody you knew, or an amalgam of of a bunch of different people and ideas? It was really a bunch of people and. Ideas. Um, some of my characters are based on actual people, like um, the the girl Skylar. Her brother is actually one of my childhood friends, but for Damon, he's just like a compilation of different people. Interesting choice of names for the characters too. You you went you went very dark with a lot of them. Was that yeah. was that purposeful, or did you just kind of think, well, this is a name that'll work? Well, partially. Um, well, Demon is obviously a very dark name, and because he deals with so much darkness within himself, I just felt like it was something that fit. And the last name Winters, uh, Winters like cold and dark and dreary, and it kind of they both kind of go together as a name. They've done for you, absolutely, yeah. So you're heading towards your summer break from school. You're working on your third novel during your summer break, and you're looking at colleges at the same time, which yep. is kind of cool. A little stressful, what? but... Fine. <laughs> no, it's not. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's, Are you kidding it's, me? It's <laughs> not a front. It absolutely. Well, once you narrow it down, you know. You I can hate to try break to it to you. It, out. it gets worse from there. The next thing you have to quote search for 
an apartment, a job, a house, it just gets worse. <laughs> they get more unpleasant as you go. So just enjoy the process this time. Oh, absolutely. Don't, you don't have to. <laughs> you really don't have to. So over the summer, you're going to be working on your book and looking at colleges and doing that kind of stuff and then getting ready for your senior year in high school when your third book is going to come out at some point. So uh, when are you going to relax? <laughs> uh, I'm not. <laughs> the only time for me to relax is on Sundays at the beach. But other than that. Well, well that's a good thing. You kind of need yeah. that time. Absolutely. Yeah, so this year uh, you're going to be at a number of conventions over the over the summer. I know yep. we're going to see you at, at Northeast Comic Con with Crazy Gary, uh, <laughs> who's a wonderful guy and a good friend of the show. Uh, what, where else are you going to be this year? So this summer at conventions, so that people can come up and see you. Well, I'm going to be at Massive Comic Con, which is the week after. Right and, in Worcester. Yeah, and. I'm going to be at Lock City, which I think is like a new one. Stacy's going to Stacy Longo's going to be there too. Um, no better chaperone to have with you at a convention than <laughs> Stacy, who's the worst chaperone ever. <laughs> we love her to death. Um, and then the week after that is the New England Authors Expo. Oh wow! Just, it's in Davenport. It's a bunch of authors and editors and publishers just get together, and people can come too to like meet us, and we'll sign books too. Um, and then there's Granite Con in September, which I'm actually going to be doing with my friend Dwayne Cofill, who's also a horror writer. So yeah, very you nice. Can, you can find more of my events on my website. It's Author Jayleduc, L-E-D-U-C, dot com. What's it like for you to, to be at conventions? Um, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's kind of different to me because I'm not really a comic book person. I'm more of, like, a literature book person. So when I see people in different costumes, it's pretty entertaining. I take a lot of pictures with them and... Just meeting other authors there and stuff, it's like, it's probably one of the coolest places to be. We kind of always have fun there, too. And, it, and it, You know, it's good to see someone who, who's driven, who has a purpose, uh, who knows what they want to do, has got at least the timeline of what, what they want to have happen kind of in place and still is having fun doing it and putting out some... Uh, some pretty incredible literature at the same time. Thank you for joining us tonight. It was it was really, really fun to meet you, and we're going to be at some conventions together, and I'd love to sit down and talk to you some more. Awesome. Thank you. Kriana? Uh, that was awesome. It's almost like I listen to it every week and know about how it goes. Almost. Almost. Well, joining us for the new segment, returning from another training week at the Timbuktu, Screaming Yellow Zonkers plant after three weeks at Callahan Saloon UFO Detailing Simulation Center. The man who asked me just the other day, uh, 
I'm here, right? You can hear me. Can, can you hear me? Uh, it's Awake by Java. Hey, Java. You know, um, when teachers get together for events, <laughs> it's crazy. Do you guys drink? Because librarians drink. Oh, my gosh. Do you know how much teachers drink? Yes, I do. I would anyway. hazard a guess that um, school media specialists... I would, too, if I had to deal with those little fuckers all day. No would offense, win. high school person who's still on the line. I'm sure you're not those people. No, like, no, high really schoolers mean. are ridiculous and middle schoolers are worse, but they're also awesome. No. They, they are. They're awesome. You know, they're you know, feral animals. At the, at you the, should handle yeah. them with one of those little loops on a stick. Oh my gosh, that would make my job so much easier. I know, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting how sad you get at the end of the year because, you know, I teach all kinds of... I, I teach kids from all different areas of high school and I get so sad when some of them leave. I'm going to miss them a lot in the next three months. Um, then I'll see them again in, in the beginning of the school year and they'll be totally different people and I won't like them as much anymore. <laughs> I'm but, sure some of them where you're like, I am so glad to not see these little... Oh, we don't talk about those people. They don't uh, exist. Yes, they do. Not, not after the end of the school year, they don't. Nope. So, you know, today was the last day of school. Oh, how'd you get this to be the last day of school? We didn't have any days off this year. Wow, nice job. No days or anything like that, so... Well, yeah, uh, they they actually scheduled AP exams for one of the days we were supposed to have as a as a makeup day. <laughs> All the AP kids had to come to school. <laughs> oh, nice! Uh, wow, oh, yeah. those poor poor little bastards. Poor little overachievers. Uh, so, and, and summer means a lot of things for for a lot of different areas of life, and and one of the things that always comes around the end of school is the end of the regular season shows and i was gonna say summer meeting there's a lot <laughs> well that's that's also a thing. um oh I by the way really just excited. just um just so you know ne don't buy english teachers gift cards for parents out there don't buy english teachers gift cards to barnes and noble no, that's a bad it's idea. The first gift to get because you know that's not how I want to spend my time. I have all the books I want. I, I get all. I have all the books. Just assume I have all the books. When I go, when I get gift cards to Barnes and Noble, I buy Legos. Librarians <laughs> will take gift cards to Barnes and Noble. Librarians will take gift cards as long as they don't exceed your municipalities. Um, Standards for how you give yes. a town of a librarian. <laughs> have a librarian. Bribe a librarian day. That would be awesome. Bribe that a would be, wouldn't day. it? Anyway, librarians are the best, and I'm not just saying that because I married one. Um, but but the end of school brings about the end of regular season shows, and there's a lot to talk about uh, okay. with some of the shows. Is there? For example, sir. Last last week we talked about shows that are ending, but there's a lot of stuff that's going on with shows that are coming back, like uh, you know Supergirl, which is moving to the CW. And that's probably Dome's a good favorite show, but that's a good. Place. 
Yeah, it is, actually. Uh, it, it's a good show. And they're also moving where they're, they're, uh, they're filming in Toronto now to save money as well uh, so that uh, the show can do crossovers with the CW's other wonderful shows, The Flash, uh, Arrow, that kind of stuff. Can we talk so, about how every time we watch another episode of The Flash, I get more and more in love with Cisco Ramon, like oh that character, <laughs> and with the guy who plays him for playing him so well. He's so yeah. great. He is the best part <laughs> of that show. He I mean, I, sure. I really li- and I really like what's his face who plays the Flash. I really I do. I do too. And I there's an internet petition going around right now for him to play the Flash in the movies, and I signed it even though it won't do much of anything. <laughs> well, the thing is that I mean, I think I really think that as an it, it, it's hard for an actor to create a character and then and then fully commit to that character because from a career perspective it's not good to be pigeonholed into one type of character one person um and, but i think that he's done a really good job and i, I don't i don't know i mean i like the flash it's he's not my favorite superhero but there's this there's this positivity that comes through that i think mirrors the way that Captain America started in the in the Captain America movie and and in the Avengers yeah. and 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 I think that's that's something that is it's hard to in the world of comics that we live in now where everything has been rehashed a dozen times and the we've we've delved into the gritty and the and the hard to deal with topics and come back out of the that. Um, I think it's really hard for an actor to to maintain that kind of positivity towards a, a character, and and you can see it happening with Captain America. They they made it go hard and gritty with Civil War and uh, the Winter Soldier, and uh, the the Flash just. I, I don't want that to happen to the Flash. I don't want it to be. I, I understand that uh, with this is supposed with, to be the fun city. Yeah, this is supposed to be the one where the, you know he saves everybody and he does it again and again yeah, but and again. Felicity said that. I'm just saying they're, they're super meta and it's yeah. awesome. If yeah. you look at the character Flash in comic books, he was never the gritty one ever. He was the glib one. He was the smiling one. He was the one who was always figuring stuff out and saving people. That's all he did. Yeah. Well, not so much figuring stuff out at the moment. Well, he's not doing a good job of that on the ship, that's for sure. I think it, I think it's my favorite comic book franchise right now. I mean, I we there was an episode last night, we were halfway through it, we had to stop because I had to go to a uh retirement dinner and we're going to finish it and uh, we'll find, finally find out who the man in the iron mask is. So, that's awesome. Oh, we didn't we didn't see that it was one on yet. last night, which means it's probably in my downloads folder. I mean, on our TiVo. That's exactly what you mean. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so summer shows are wrapping up, which means we need, well, what are we going to watch? You know, like I've still got backlog of Daredevil season two, and I have to watch. Have to watch can, can I say something I'm about Daredevil sure season two? Z Nation. Daredevil season one was a, a huge disappointment for me. And, you know, everybody said season two was going to be so much better. 
And I'm, I'm, I've struggled to watch the first episode. Absolutely struggled to watch it. Didn't you just argue with me like three weeks ago about how good it was? Yep. No, I said everybody else is saying it's good. And they're lying. And and I, I just I feel like there's probably a lot of shows out there. Like I never a- actually watched Man in the High Castle. I want to watch that. I uh, you know I think I'll enjoy it. Actually, you'll probably like it. I say that with all. I probably. Will. <laughs> it's derision. one of those things you can't binge all due watch. All derision. Um no. You Dryness. can't binge watch it. It's not like I like it and you like it and you should. I don't like it. But you like it, so you should be shamed. It's more like, I don't like it, but it pro- you probably actually will because you enjoy Philip K. Dick a lot more than I do. Which That's probably true. Not at all for me. And the other thing, it, it's, it's the same kind of a quiet taste that Jessica Jones was for me in that uh, there is no way I could binge watch Wait, wait, wait. So, Java, have, have we had the conversation... No, you weren't here when we had the conversation when we actually watched it about the aspects of it that got changed that I couldn't get past. From the book, yeah. That it, that changed book. for me the whole meeting. They they did a whole Peter Jackson changing the end of Lord of the Rings again, except for it's not the end. It's the whole message of the book. They, they just, like, ripped its beating heart out and, like, waved it around at you and then tossed it on the ground and moved on. <laughs> That was a good well, one. Yeah. Dick stuff is that's happened with a lot of stuff he's done. I mean, Blade Runner is not an accurate depiction of the his book at all. There, well that's because no Philip K. Dick is so hard to translate into movies. I mean it's just it's just a really hard case, thing. It's so philosophical. Because I think you should watch it and without, you know uh, Without our preconceptions. Well, you already have those, actually, so maybe it doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's on the list, right? Like, the, my favorite show right now is, um, I mean, other than The well, Flash, look, is probably... The Man in the High Castle? Yeah. Okay, so you know the book is about a book. Yeah. In the TV show, the book is about a... The show is about a movie. Yeah. And you're fine with that. Well, it, I mean, I think that it's a choice that makes sense considering the visual media. No, it doesn't. Because it makes well, I mean, it, not every book, Not every movie can be the never-ending story. There's already been a movie about a book. Uh, oh, we should watch anyway. a never-ending story sometime. Yeah, we I, you know what? I, this conversation. Uh, <laughs> I love you too, there, There's, I mean... I, the the show that I've been really kind of interested in this season has been Game of Thrones, as as short as the season has been so far. Uh, and I think that it's really interesting because it's progressed beyond the books. I mean, they've done some really interesting things. And, and, and I, apparently I George R.R. Martin has told them better how it's... writers than George R.R. Martin, so... It's, yeah, but it's... I mean how they, the books are going to end so that they end up in the same place. But I think it's going to be cool to compare how they get there. Yeah. And, well, I mean, and not only that, but I, have you guys? Are you you guys realize that to, means you'll have to read more of the books when they come out, right? I know. Yeah, but they're <laughs> so turtles. easy to read. They're just like eating popcorn. They're the first all of a sudden one you look was, up and look. The, the first one, sure, it was mildly entertaining. The second one, and then one, you felt like you really wanted to read one, the second one. 
was kind of disappointing. And I thought, since there were five out, I think, at the time, you know... No, there were four, and then the fifth one came out not too long after. But we still read it. So the third one, we're like, this can't... This It's got to get better. It does not. It just keeps getting worse. Yeah, that's the thing. So the sixth one, it can go die in a book burning. I don't. I don't know that it keeps getting worse. I just think it takes a downward spiral and just sits there. When did you read them? Well, and that's that's why. Um, I when, think did, the, when did you read those books? I didn't know you were reading. Long time. Well, I've tried. I've, I'll be honest uh, with you. I've never okay, got through because them. we've we've all gotten through the whole thing. They oh, keep getting you. worse. I think that one of the things that's that makes the show so interesting because of that is that they they really. I mean, it's obvious that this season is not sticking religiously toward the book. I mean, there's definitely other stuff going on. And they're taking a very different kind of feel. I mean, I don't know. I, I've just really enjoyed watching it so far. And last, the last episode from this past Sunday was just plain jaw-dropping at the end. So, so you know, for like, any I, number of reasons, alert, Jon Snow dies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She's no, it, it has. No, I wasn't it has, actually. It has to do with Hodor, and uh, one of the most lovable characters, and um, and it was not expected. It was li- it was not expected. And, it do, and nothing led up to it until that very moment, and it was and incredible. And then it, the fact that even if you don't watch the show, you've been spoiled already because the internet is exploding. Yeah. And oh, uh, I, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Because the, well, the episode... I, I assume he dies horribly. Maybe he's disemboweled and his entrails are threaded through some windows, like, sewing... I don't know. Anyway, I, I think that it's really interesting and it's something to watch, uh, you know, and, and I don't know. There's there's lots of other stuff going on, too, if you don't feel like watching like Comixology just launched a digital comic book subscription service, unlimited reading all of their comics, five ninety nine a month. That's great, except it doesn't have any of the DC or Marvel comics. <laughs> of course it's not. Else, right. No one wants those. What does it have uh, it Vertigo image. or Dark Horse? Yeah, it has Dark Horse yeah. and Image, and and uh, Image is probably the best one because I mean it's got Game of Th- or it, it has uh, The Walking Dead and Saga, and you know all of those books are available, and that's a really reasonable price. Uh, it is not a good thing for your local comic book store. It's not a good thing for consumers, really, either. I don't like this trend of not owning your stuff. Maybe, but comics are are disposable media. Like they, I, they I know they were intended to be a disposable media, but they. I don't think they are. They still are for me, but I mean, because I'm, I'm looking at seven long boxes sitting right here. Right, but uh, but the no. reason that you need those boxes are because it wasn't intended to hang around that long. Right. Yeah, uh, anyway, sure. it's an interesting move. I mean, and it and it puts a lot more comics in into the grasp of people than than would be before. Because one of the biggest problems with comics as a medium is that it's such an expensive hobby. Yes. Uh, it just is. It, it's a it's an overwhelmingly expensive. By its hobby. nature, yeah. 
because because you're not i mean it's not like a magazine subscription like the serial magazines that used to be around a long time ago um uh, but like it, asimov yeah like uh like fantasy and science fiction fantasy and science fiction all those those um serial magazines that you know spider robinson got his like wrote for consistently all absolutely so so it's it's one of those things where it it just you can't you can't do it any other way than really buying the comics or pirating them and this offers an option for people who want to support the business and still read a lot of comics I, I'm I'm on fan. I'm on board with it. Um, all the Buffy comics are on there, and you know the actually, I haven't read. Oh. Okay, so you're gonna be shocked. I actually, what was it? Was it all the Buffy comics, Dome? Yes, it was. They and were, they were in a we're, humble bundle uh, awesome. a few weeks ago for like a ridiculous amount of money. So now I don't have to pay monthly. I just have them all. And they did take forever to download, and I enjoyed every second. I told you they were. I know. I, sat I enjoyed there. every moment of that wait. I love the fact well, I, that they, they're sitting on an iPad, and, and they're there. Yeah. Don't need an internet well, and, connection and I just that. think that... I think that, you know, if I can sit down and... and I mean, Lock and Key is one of my favorite comic book... I, I will reread Lock and Key, Lock and but Key I'm not going to awesome. buy. Okay, I'm not going to buy. Don't I'm not going to buy. The, yeah, and it's on there. It's on there for five ninety nine a month with a thirty day free trial. I mean, you can read Lock and Key in thirty days. Just do it just for that because it's amazing. Definitely, um, I would say that and, you have to just stop what and, you're doing and, and just do that. All right, I'll see you later. <laughs> You've already read and, Lock and Key, honey. And I mean, no, if you I haven't, haven't read, actually. If you haven't read Saga, they have the first arc up there. I mean, they don't have the whole thing available for free. I don't even free, know what that is. What's that all about? You got to read Saga. What is it's it? It's beautiful. It's a weird space magic romance thing. You're not helping your case right now. Oh, my gosh. Just just fucking read it. Uh, hold on. Let me... <laughs> now I'm going to be obstinate and say no. Give yeah, him, well, give him whatever. the hold benefit on. of it's the end of the year and people have been asking him, but why should I read that for All right. no, nine no, no. That's months not what I'm and saying. it's I'm annoying? Saying, sell me this book like it's your favorite book. If you ask me about my favorite book, I'll be like, here's why it's awesome. Is um, the art gonna... awesome? Is the story awesome? The, what... the art is awesome. Okay. Uh, hold on. That's not what I wanted to send you. Um, the art is awesome, and the story is awesome, and the combination of the two is something that I rarely see in comics. Character-driven I mean, story or plot so I'm a, totally down with that. There's a boob on the cover, mm-hmm. and, okay. uh, and that's the first cover of the first uh, of the first book. I'm just on Wikipedia so, right now. Now yeah. I have a real question, Kriana. Is it a character-driven story or a plot-driven story? Character-driven. Even better. So I, I would really, I, I, I would suggest you read it. And, and it's the first, heck, even if you don't want to pay the five ninety nine, it's 30 days free. You can read it. You can read Hellboy. You can read uh, My Little Pony. You can read Star Trek. You can read, um, I'm, I'm going to put it on the iPad for the, for the kids because it's got Princeless. Um, and they, my, my oldest loves Princeless. Uh, As so, she should. And, and it's just, it, it, there's so much there. That's worth reading, and it's a very reasonable price, especially and it, especially because it's uh, as opposed to like Marvel Unlimited, which is Marvel's version of this service. Um, 
it's uh, it, it's those comics that are not from the big two. So you get the Dark Horse and the Image and, and the smaller publishers, and, and that's really great. But um, Marvel Unlimited is a $60 annual fee, which is, works out to a little bit less than the monthly fee for this one. Um, so I think that I think that we're starting to get to the point where digital comics make sense, um, at least for for daily reading, for for general reading. Uh, you know, there it's it's like I've said for the past decade now, which makes me feel really old. <laughs> I am no longer in the business of buying books to read books. If I want to read a book, I'll read the book. And then if I think that it's a represented, it's something that represents my, who I am or what I want people to perceive about me, um, then I'll buy the book and put it on my shelf. It'll be an artifact that represents me. Uh, I don't read, I don't buy books to read them anymore. And that's been my biggest problem with comic books in the past decade is that i I refuse to spend the money to read something that I'm not going to like. So, you know, I'll give something a chance when my, 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 most of my comics come from my friends because my friends say, you've got to read this. And so I get the books from them and I read them and I'm like, these are really great. And then I don't buy them because I've already read them. But this gives me a way to support the industry and and still read all the comics I want without ha being burdened by the physical artifact that I really don't want to have to manage and carry from one storage space to another. It's, it's, the, it's the dream of the post-baby boom generation to be unburdened by the artifacts of our forefathers. To not own what they should own. To pay for something they don't really have they don't really own. That's uh, the part that I'm drives me crazy. Perfectly willing to pay for an experience. I'm not perfectly willing to pay for a thing that is going to be representative of an experience that I can have again in a just as a convenient way for a minimal cost. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's a different me, generation, Dome. I mean, I really... It is. It absolutely is. I just don't, I, I don't understand it. I under, and I don't understand surrounding myself with, with you know, things that are not... That I don't matter to me anymore. I, but that's the difference in generations. And I, I think that comics is starting to figure it out the same way music did and... All right, here's my problem. Yeah, because think here, about it. No one buys physical. the subscription physical. services versus a file download. The subscription service giveth, and the subscription service taketh away. Sure. That's true. And true. even if the subscription service says they won't take it away, they might. Uh, how much do you want to bet that's not true? Amazon has gotten a lot of heat for very shadily doing this type of thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. 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 Now, have people learned from Amazon? Yes. Do things still go off of Netflix? Yes. And it sucks. But the reason people were mad at Amazon was because they bought digital copies of, of things that then were no longer accessible to them. With Netflix, you're paying a subscription service for access to whatever is on the, the service. It's like saying... I mean, sure, it's, it's a, to me, it's Netflix a is a lot like yes. paying for cable, and 
you get to watch what's on cable, but you can't say, hey, I, I want to see that episode of this show where this happens when you're watching cable. But it's like, if you're like, oh, great, Star Trek Voyager's on Netflix, I'm going to watch it sometime, and then you go look for it, and all of a sudden, oh, it's not there anymore. Yeah, that does stink. Yeah. Maybe, and I understand that, but at the same time, we're, I think that we're moving towards that not being the case. Yeah. I think that that's, it's just a slow progression because it's all about rights. It's all about how much you're making off of it and where you're going to put it so that you can make it. Eventually, that'll all get worked out, and it'll everything will be available on the service of your choice. It's just a slow progression to get there. Like, if, if uh, Fox owns the rights to Voyager and they decide that they're going to make more money by putting on onto Amazon Instant Video than they do on, on Netflix, then that's what they're going to do. I understand that. Um, the same thing can be true for comics. I mean, if Image knows that they're going to make more money uh, by putting The Walking Dead on, um, you know, Service B as opposed to Comixology, then they're... They should do that. And eventually, everything will work out to the point where I can get whatever media I want on whatever device I want for a cost that is reasonable, and I don't have to worry about well, keeping you, files. Hold on one second, because you're putting it all on the media companies here, but that's not entirely true. It's also on the services. Because yeah. you bet your bottom that Netflix and Amazon have different exclusive deals signed. There's a sure. reason you can only get certain shows on Amazon, and that is the worst thing for consumers. Yeah, and it and that's part of the growing pains of this industry. But but do you remember? Back, yeah. Do you do you remember? I I because I, I know I do. I am intimately. I whenever I start to get angry about when I can that a show or a movie isn't available. Uh, easily where I want it to be, I start thinking about VHS tapes and reruns. Do you know how many VHS tapes of MASH my parents have in some Oh, sweetie. Some... You didn't have more VHS tapes in your house than we did in ours. I, no. I, that's There's fine. just no way. But I, I, I despair of, of the days when I couldn't watch... Uh, you know, uh, a season of, of shows immediately after. I mean, like, just a year ago, the idea of getting Game of Thrones in any way except for signing up for a cable subscription was ludicrous. And now we've got three different options of how we're going to watch that show at the moment that it's streaming on cable. Yep. <clears throat> Very true. So it's, it's just a matter of... <clears throat> dealing with the fact that we're, you know, we're going to have frustrations and that these minimal frustrations don't a amount to a hill of beans. So the question is, do we own it? Are we ever going to own it? How are we going to own it? In what form do we own it? And well, that is an interesting you... question for an archivist, actually, speaking of libraries. Yes, it is. It actually is. Somebody bring you back. Uh, yes, but I only heard the last part of Dome's question. Dinner got here. Oh, good. No, well, and, and, and that's a, hello. <laughs> and that's, that's probably a question, you know, that we should delve into at a show at some point. You know, with, with so many different options for uh, video, for audio, for 
uh, uh, the written word, the graphic word, uh, the graphic novel. Uh, so many options now available for the consumer. <clears throat> you know, I, I'm a book person, and I've got the, you know, seven long boxes of comic books here to prove it, as well as, you know, book after book sitting in all my bookshelves. Uh, some people will go with a digital download like Kriana. Others, like Java, are, are going, are fine with the, the rent it, uh, which Comixology and, and other uh, services offer. Uh, what's I mean, best for I the... mean, it's not just comics, though. It's it's everything. Comics. Right? No, I know. It's it's absolutely movies, everything. TV, music. You right. can do all of those things with all of those different types of media. And and what's best for the consumer? And and you know the ways in which they're going now. Uh, you know what's going to impact us more as time goes on. Stuff here's to the thing, think though. about. Here's <clears throat> here's my thing. Paperbacks for a long time. And I don't know much about book preservation, but I know this much. Paper books for a really long time were designed to be disposable. Correct. They were just like magazines. They were cheap paper. They had cheap bindings. And they were designed to fall apart. You weren't supposed to keep them for years and years and years. You read That's them and you threw them Absolutely. away or passed them on. Um, and so there have always been people who buy physical media, consume it, and then dispose it. And I think that you also have to look at the move to digital media as there have always been people who, who've collected physical and people who've disposed it. And if the people who were disposing it are now getting things digitally. That is probably not a bad thing because if you are willing to pay more for a physical item because you want to own the physical item, the quality is going to be higher. Um, The environmental impact of not throwing away thousands of paperback books every year paperback books every year probably yeah is going to be ridiculous and forget like vhs tapes and well i mean not to mention not producing those paperbacks any longer right or or, and vhs tapes and dvds and cds like all those things that for a while i mean there were jokes all over the place about making furniture out of the AOL discs they would send you in the mail. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. And now you get that same kind of spam, but you get it in your email and you delete it and poof. So I think that it's not so much an argument. I thought you said delete it and poop for a minute. <laughs> was like, no, I said poop. You, yeah. you could do that. I guess a lot of people probably do. I mean, you could do both at the same time. You we can. live in the future. You can. Um, But I think that, you know, you guys have been saying, oh, well, it's a generational thing or it's this or it's that. I think it's a very personal thing. I think it varies person to person. Um, And I don't think that it's necessarily a bad development for either type of person. I don't think the move to digital to having things available digitally is 
actually bad for people who enjoy collecting. So that's my two cents that turned into 20 because I rambled well, a little. Well, it's good for both types of people because that's, yeah, that's people what I'm saying. Can, can go with, you know, the comic subscriptions and they can go with the TV, Netflix, whatever, and they can just click it on, consume what they want. They don't have to worry about it. Collectors, instead of having their house filled with stuff, can have a couple of hard drives. Right. Or if they really want to have stuff, the stuff that they can get that's going to be ready, readily available isn't going to be meant to be disposable. Instead of going out and buying a book and knowing that you're going to have to replace it sometime in your life, you can go out and buy a copy of a book to own and know that unless you drop it in the bathtub or um, any of the number of things I've done to books over the years. <laughs> you can save a book from that. Just say Yeah, oh, you can. <laughs> Lend it to a friend who's a lifeguard who drops it in the lake leaves it on the dock to dry, and it rains overnight. <laughs> Yikes. That was, that was a sad book when I got it back. Um, but, yeah, I think that... I think It's that a happier world for everybody. It's a better world for everybody. And there's less... There's both less and more of a barrier to access with digital things... I think as digital things become more prevalent, um, and there are going to there are going to be more ways for people who um, who don't necessarily right now have access to e-readers. I think eventually there's going to be ways they can get them, and so since digital things are cheaper. More and more people are going to be able to say, I want the latest Captain America and buy it. And so they're going to keep publishing it. But you don't need an e-reader. Right, you don't. You All you need is your phone. And the but cheapest phones, the free phones, they're smartphones now. And any smartphone yeah. is also an e-reader. Which is, it's, it's scary how far technology has come to allow us to replace collectibles and consumables to electronic, you got it when you want it, and then it's going to be gone, or rent to own, or whatever. So many different options available. Uh, rent we'll to own is not one of those options, but where did that come from? Well, I have no idea where that one came from. I just oh. made that one up. Guys, I figured out what I was saying the whole time. Okay. It's short. The move towards digital is um, giving the is giving collectors the opportunity to collect things of quality over things of over quantity. Yeah, I agree. Yes. Because like what we do instead of buying lock and key the books, I I keep buying those little replica keys every time we go to Comic-Con and I freaking <laughs> I love them. Yeah. And I they're know. the coolest thing, okay? The literal coolest thing. And I mean, I still like I keep a list of books that I want to keep in hardcover cuz I want to ha- because I know I want to have them forever. If it's a book I know that I'm going to read over and over, I'll buy it in hardcover because I want to. Oh my gosh, those keys are awesome. 
Sorry, thank you. Sorry. Priyana sent him a picture, didn't she? Uh, no, I did a Google search. Oh my gosh, I need these. <laughs> right? Yes, he's always at Boston Comic Con and sitting right head, next to Joe Hill. I, sometimes you miss him. I missed him not last year. The but head the year key is sold out. I, well, we have maybe the music key, the world key, the Omega key, and a whole long list of keys that we. Oh can my gosh, no, they're about. so good though. If if you don't know what they, you just need to read Locking Skeleton key. Crew Studio. Yeah. Yep. Blair, Blair, I think, is his name, who does the sculpture. Now I'm gonna look if you're at a con and you see them, run, because if you stop, you're going to buy them. It's as simple as that. And if your that. wife is there, she's going to make you actually buy more of them than you would have actually purchased. No, I don't believe that for a minute, Kriana. And they also do uh, BPRD stuff. By make, she means I picked one up and said, oh, this one's my favorite. And it wasn't one of the ones she had been considering buying. You didn't stop me. That's basically <clears throat> making me. <laughs> well, they make all sorts a- of really cool stuff, but they make all sorts of really cool stuff. And it's a great way to support not only the authors and artists behind the book, but also these really talented craftsmen who make these gorgeous, beautiful artisans, objects beautiful, of fascination. Beautiful. It really is. No it's a it's it. a brave new world for fans. It's a wonderful place right now, and we're just moving into con season, where all this cool stuff is going to be available, and we'll be talking about it more and more in the coming weeks as we move from convention to convention. Kriana, hmm. oh, I was looking at keys. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, uh, lost the list. There we go. Northeast Comic Con, booksandbooze.com, and comicarthouse.com. Visit comicarthouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Our intro music production was provided by Rob Watts. Find more of his creations on robwattsonline.com. Our outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their grooves on lawrencemademecry.com. And in the UK, they're playing out. Check them out. Go see them live. I want to thank our guest, Jack of the Duke, who was just absolutely wonderful. And sure to check her out if you're going to be at Northeast Comic Con. Many thanks to the gang of four. From the Act in Action Time Warp, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and woman of words, Zombrarian. Thank you so much, ladies. That's what she said. Back from the shadows and into the Captain Crunch because it's that time of year. Thank you, Java. He fell asleep. <laughs> this is Dome saying Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. Well, I know.